You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another Flip My Funnel episodes. I know that people love the, the takeover idea. Maybe they don't like what I say all the time and they want to hear from other people. So that may be the case. So I love the takeover series. I learn a lot. And this time we have fascinating stories to tell with you, to tell you guys, especially about how do you go about building and launching your company with the community in mind. So Brett, who is running this, Brett, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about this series. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the launch that you're looking to have. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sangram, and excited to share the series with your audience. A little bit of background on me. I lead marketing at a pre-launch company that's about to launch very soon called The Juice. The Juice is a content discovery platform that connects sales and marketing professionals to the right resources in one platform. So we're really excited about what we're building. And we have been talking internally about the collaboration we have been developing with the community externally and internally along the way. So decided, hey, let's let's package this up. Let's talk about it in a five kind of episode structure and uh, share it out with the audience. So this is going to be real conversations between me and our CEO, Jonathan, about just the steps that we've been taking to launch our business. That's awesome, Brett. And for folks listening in, make sure you listen to the entire series because this is literally as they're thinking about it. This is not like it's launched and it's out there and now they're backtracking and coming up with something else. This is real. This is in flesh. They are really trying to figure this thing out. So this is Brett and Jonathan, the CEO of, of Juice. They're really figuring this thing out. So you get to be part of the journey with them. So make sure you're on it and give them some love. The links to the Juice website and everything will be in the podcast episode information. And thank you again for listening in. Brett, let's get into it. Today's conversation, we're going to be focusing on early stage customers and the importance of what a few great customers can do for you in a pre-launch stage. So we're going to get into that. But before I do, I came back from vacation last week and I feel like I entered just like a buzzsaw of activity this past week. So Jonathan, welcome back. Maybe we we start with just letting everyone know what's going on in the wacky world of the juice right now. Yeah, absolutely. It is Tuesday, but it has been a week as we're uh, recording this. We opened up our early access to the public, the general public on Monday, and we all knew we were doing that. Elena's done a great job of preparing us. What I don't think any of us expected was the as large of a reception as that received yesterday. Just it was a really exciting day. It started, you know, 7 a.m. We had complete stranger tweeting about how uh, much he was enjoying the platform. He had 10,000 followers, influential in the content space. So that was cool. And it just kind of continued from there. Got a lot of awesome feedback, a lot of engagement, a lot of new users. So it was one of those days where you have one set of things planned and then they get trumped pretty quickly early in the morning by everything else going on. So it was really fun. And we've kept that momentum rolling today on Tuesday. And it's it's just been uh, really, really 
exciting and energizing to see people we know and people we don't know jump into the platform and start to get value from it. And now it's just a matter of keeping that momentum rolling until we formally launch with all the support of High Alpha and all of your hard work in August, which we're really excited for. Yeah. And I'll just shout out the tweet. I was so my process, it was my first day back into the work life. And I, I did do a little uh, organization on Sunday to make sure I wasn't completely buried. But I spend the first couple first hour of my day post like fitness breakfast, just looking on Twitter and seeing what the conversation was. And I looked at my mentions and I got to shout them out. Uh, Robert Weller with the tweet, but he just had been in the platform, had really nice things to say about it, the experience he was having. So stuff like that, like we're going to shout you out because it means a ton to us, helping us get the word out and the message out. So we appreciate that. And then I'll also say, wanted to do a quick plug on our blog. If you are a consumer of the Juice content, we have started a guest post series, B2B Marketing Sucks. Um, We had the first one go out this morning as I'm recording this. My man, Dominic Kent, who's a guest on the show, wrote an awesome article. We're going to be dripping those out two per week for the next five weeks. A lot of passion around that topic. So there's a lot going on and we're, we're just trying to, you know, get people on our platform, get feedback, and then also create content like this and always provide value. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, being in the content business, it's fun to create content about everything that we're doing. So it's a constant drumbeat of sharing. And we hope that's helpful. And if there are things you want us to share more about, we are an open book. So that's what we try to do on the podcast, but never hesitate to reach out if there's something uh, you're curious about with the juice and we'll, we'll do our best to share it. All right. Enough of us plugging ourselves in our stuff here. <laughs> we sound like old school B2B marketers. We do. We got to plug our stuff, um, but let's jump into the conversation. So I think I'm going to maybe learn a lot from you on this, Jonathan, because I haven't really, as I was thinking about this conversation, there's some things that I wasn't quite sure about, but I'm super curious of. And I think just the topic at hand, everyone talks about this. Everyone says like, you know, always, you know, it's all about your customers. Like, you know, whenever you're in doubt, point to your customers. And like, that's just the, you know, that's the overarching theme and of like more progressive B2B marketing is you're, you're worried about, you know, what your customers' problems are, not your own problems. And so like, I want to get into that and talk about it, but I want to start here by trying to figure out and understand like the idea of, all right, we've got an idea on this business and this product and this problem that we're going to solve. And we've got to share this vision with people that might not, we might not have a personal relationship with, but then somehow in this process, you or someone else says something that even though the product isn't launched, they say, you know what? Like, I believe in what you're doing. I want to become a customer. Like, I think that just in of itself is pretty remarkable. So I, I want to get into that. But before we get into that, I think a good topic that I haven't heard a lot of people share their thoughts on, but I think is super important is just like overall founder-led sales. I think you're a, a marketer at heart. That's kind of what you built your career around. And I would say, Not being a salesperson, I'd say like marketing probably has like maybe the easiest like transition path to selling because we work really close with the sales team, but maybe go through the process of like what founder led sales means to you and just like maybe the first like, you know, three to six months, like the types of things you went through. 
So it's funny as you as you call it founder-led sales. I never switched into a mode of like, okay, now I'm going to do founder-led sales. Now we're doing founder-led sales. It just very organically evolved into that. And I I just viewed it as like starting a business and doing what we need to do to be in air quotes, which I know doesn't translate onto a podcast, but keep the lights on, right? Like this is just what we are in the business of, but it never, never truly switched into like a sales mode until, you know, you start to, once you do it enough, then you can start to build process then you hire a sales leader and then it becomes sales conversations. But at no point was I like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start selling now. What we did instead, and we talked a lot about this in the first episode of this podcast So we just went out and we talked to as many marketers as possible. So I was fortunate, previous marketer, talking to marketers about marketing. I'm very eager to do that as well as just listen. And those conversations, as we just started to hear the same thing over and over again, just very naturally evolved into, well, I think we can help you with that to the point where it got to the point where we heard the same pain points so many times. We kept saying, we think we can help with that, that we were almost forced, if you will, or it was just such a clear opportunity that's like, okay, let's actually create something that can solve for this pain point. And we have people that are interested in that. And it, it was just, it, it very naturally evolved into that. Even as we were at that time, just a team of one, just because we were listening. I remember, and this is something we've talked about on the podcast as well. You know, we'd have that first conversation if they were interested in having another conversation, I'd always take like a pain point or something that they said from that first conversation and present it back to them. And I can't remember who it was, but I think it was somebody who became one of our first customers. They're like, oh, well, now I'm just selling to myself, right? And so that was really effective for us of just listening and reading it back to them and then letting them know how we can help solve that pain point. And we were fortunate, the pain points we were solving, people were willing to pay to solve. And that led us into a beta program and early customers. And now a group of customers that we're really fortunate to be partnered with. Yeah, I think what I want to dig into a little bit is just the mindset thing. It seems so often that when companies are starting up or companies are maybe maturing to that next stage, there's so much pressure on sales. It's like, we need sales, we need leads, we need these things right now. And what what I heard you, how I heard you describe it, it was almost like, all right, well, I'm just going to kind of come from a place of abundance. I'm going to like organically have these conversations knowing that we're building a solution that we, I have confidence that will be a good fit for them. And then, you know, I'll hear something and then organically like say, say, you know what, I think this might be something for you. Like, I think like the way we should be doing marketing and sales right now is maybe less like traditional, less pushy, less in your face and more like, you know, solutioning more like, Hey, I'm here. I've got this product. Let me like customize your problem to what we're doing. And obviously like you've proven out that we're able to get customers this way. And we've hired Kate. She's awesome. She's got sales experience and her mind, her kind of mindset translates well into what, what the stage we're at right now, but maybe like what, what feedback do you have just like personally on the abundant mindset and maybe not feeling like every day that you step behind your computer and get on a zoom call or meet someone for coffee that you need to close them right then. Yeah, it's kind of what you mentioned about, I don't know, I'd call it like comparing notes, right? Like even if you're not interested in the product or the the product that we're selling or the product we think we're going to be selling, like we can help you, right? Like we have shared experiences, shared backgrounds, shared connections. 
there were a lot of those early conversations where we went down a path of me talking about another solution provider that I had used previously in my career that had nothing to do with the juice, but genuinely felt like we could help them solve the pain point. So I, I think there is just in the, especially in the B2B space, like I think the more everyone's willing to kind of share their notes, better off we all will be. And so that was, I think, again, if you're a believer in karma, it's just uh, that that'll come back to you at some point. But that actually led to a lot of really fruitful conversations, not only for ourselves, but for our network as well, which is cool. So let's talk about maybe the point when someone said, you know what, like, this is something I need and I want. I think there are so many people out there that are starting companies and they're selling a vision of what is currently being built. I think it's really, I'm curious personally, like what were those moments and like, what were those qualities or moments in time from the customer's perspective where you, they believed enough in what, who you were and what you were doing to say, you know what, like, I don't, I don't necessarily need this product to be live right now. Give me your contract. I want to be a part of this. Like what were like the qualities, the moments and times, the things that kind of took place in those conversations where that confidence was built? Because I think that's super powerful. Yeah. So there are a few big moments that stand out to me. One being I had started to hear the same pain point so many times over and over again, that was internal enablement using content. We can't get our own team to use our content or read our content or share our content. Um, and that that's not our initial vision. And there are solution providers in that space for enterprise companies. I, I think maybe there is an opportunity for SMB in the market, but we didn't want to pivot all the way to that. So that was one thing that just continued to come up. And I was like, man, that's, that's maybe something we should think about solving for. And then I remember talking to Eric Tobias, a high alpha partner. I was like, Hey, what we're, what our vision is really resonating. And I'm just not sure what to do with that feedback right now is, is we don't have a technical co-founder. We don't have a team. We don't have a product. We just have the vision. And he really challenged me uh, in, a, in a great way. He's like, well, what's a tech enabled service we could offer in the short term, you know, so many businesses. And I think that's, you know, your, your role as a CEO is to paint the picture for the vision, but you know, it's very iterative to get there. And, and so starting with a tech enabled service and, you know, they're fortunate they've started almost 30 companies now on high alpha. It sounds like a lot of their companies start as a tech enabled service. And that's just a very natural progression. And so those two things kind of came together and then it was like, okay, how do we bridge somebody from solving for that in the short term with a tech enabled service to getting them to the vision? And then, so that backed us into, let's put together a beta package or a beta program, right? And let's, let's kind of chronologically lay out the different points in time where we're going to start with this tech enabled service that helps you solve for this pain point. In the meantime, we're going to work on our vision and our product. And here's how we can help you during that time frame. And here's how you can help us. And then here's the benefits you'll receive once the product is live. I can tell you, I don't know if all of our customers listen to this, but we got our first contract back signed and we had not started developing a damn thing. That was a fun moment. And I, I think that was okay, right? Like, let's not start spending resources on building anything until we know what the hell we should be building. Uh, but I remember getting the contract back and being like stoked for like four or five minutes and then being absolutely petrified of, I have no idea what the hell to do now. And I sat down with Chad on the high alpha team, who's a product designer said, uh, Chad just sold this. 
can we build it? And he, fortunately we could, we, you know, I know enough about development that we hadn't gotten too far out over our skis, but, but it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily easy either, but again, we had somebody willing to pay for it. We knew it was something we could scale and do repeatedly. And that there were others that had referenced the same pain point that this solves for. And so that just kind of continued to evolve into those beta conversations that have led to sales conversations and sales process. And now, you know, that tech enabled service we started with, uh, that'll become a service that we sell as an add-on now that our platform is life and in, live into the future. So there's just a ton of benefits from, I think, just going and figuring it out. I know in episode one, I think we said, shoot your shot. Maybe that's not the theme that I always want to lead with, but it is just like, if you hear a pain point and you think you can solve for it, just figure it out. And if people are willing to pay for it, all the better. So I've been in the B2B marketing game long enough. And I can't say, I can say that it wasn't this way for a majority of my career, but now I have like mindfulness around like the entire customer experience, like what goes on to that, like the, what goes into that, just like the coordination, the pass off. So I'm, I'm less, especially working on a small stage company at this point, I'm less inclined to just like be 100% of my mind focused on like, you know, air quotes, filling the top of the funnel with just like creating a bunch of content and driving a bunch of interest. And then like having the rest of the company, like figure out how to close the deal. If someone wants something that we said, how product team can build it. Like that happens all the time. And I think that's good in a way, like as companies expand, it helps like it build some innovation within the company, listening to the market. But now like I'm thinking about like, if I were there alongside you at this point, and let's just say like, I created something or put something out that someone was interested in. They said, you know what? Like, I want to talk to Jonathan about this. You had the conversation. Then all of a sudden they signed the contract. I would be probably right alongside with you, terrified of like, well, what's next? How important was like communication and maybe talk about like communication between you and the client and expectation setting like after that contract was signed? Yeah, I think it's super important. This is actually something I've talked to Kate with our sales leader here recently, but I'll, I'll kind of start in the in the old days when it was just me. And I, I remember Matt Compton, CEO of Philo, he just said, you know, all these people are dealing with vendors that are much larger and much busier than you are. One of the competitive advantages you can have when it's small and just you is like your ability to respond, your ability to communicate. They are your most important customer at this phase. So treat them as such and treat them like, the stars that they are. And so that was something that really resonated with me is like, okay, you know, product, we're working on it. But what I can do is I can be a consultant for them. I can help them solve content problems. I can help them think through content problems. And oh, by the way, we're going to build this tech enabled service. That's really valuable along the way. So that was it, you know, send them swag, communicate with them regularly, pipe them up. Like it sounds so basic, but your advantage when you're small is that there's not a hundred relationships you're managing. There's, you know, five or six, if you're B2B or, you know, if you're B2C or product led growth, that could be different. But when you've got those five or six beta customers, like really do everything you can to respond to them as quickly as possible. You know, mention them in conversations with other companies, uh, introduce them to people they want to be introduced to. What's interesting and something that you know, Kate's challenged me to think through is now that she's director of sales, like I need to hand some of that off. Right. And that's, we're going to grow into this and we're quickly growing into this. We're like, 
not every customer admittedly is going to be the most important customer. Not every customer is going to be a beta customer. Not every customer needs or should have the CEO's attention, right? Like as we grow and scale, that's not best for the customer. If I'm spending time replying to an email from them, as opposed to moving the product forward. So that's something I'm, I'm very fortunate. Kate's challenged me on a bit of like, Hey, pass that off to me. That's my full-time responsibility. You can focus on something that's more valuable to you, the business, and ultimately the customer as well, because you're moving it forward and you're not dealing with, you know, coordinating calendars or back and forth questions. So that's just, again, part of that natural evolution. But in the early days, I did everything I could to treat that customer like an absolute superstar. In listening to you talk through that, it's like, all right, well, it's, I want to get customers. I want to service these customers, do whatever I can, even if product isn't there. But then another responsibility of mine is like, I need to build and grow the team. And then, so you do those things and then it's this like realization. Okay. I've, I brought people on to do this. Like now I just need to like move away and like let them do their job. Hire smart people and get out of the way. That has been my biggest learning as a CEO. It's something I've heard and said in the past, but we have hired really, really smart people. And that has made it really, really easy for me to get out of the way and let you all shine. And that's been the coolest part of the juice. So maybe talk through like you, t- you shared like introductions, being a consultant, like how big of a role was like the content side of what you were doing and what you were quarterbacking, like promoting other or the new clients content, like ways, creative ideas, things you thought through and, or, because that's the world we're living in, right? It's content. So my, my mindset or my thought processes is you probably gravitated to that early and we're like, all right, well, we can probably do something right now to like, that might not be exactly the juice, but can be something similar in order to help promote them and, and bring awareness to their content and what they're talking about. Again, we were dealing with the content marketers on the team were traditionally our buyer, or at least our stakeholder. And we, one of the advantages of being small is there's a small number of relationships to manage, right? So this sounds like marketing 101, go follow their brand and their marketers across all the social channels, like their content, share their content, comment on their content, make introductions to them for their own prospecting purposes. You don't need to force those things, but that that is just low-hanging fruit. And these content marketers' jobs is to get more engagement on their content. So like, you know, just liking it or sharing it really helps move them forward. You know, it's just become an extension of their marketing team. That's very marketing-centric advice, but, you know, sign up for Google News Alerts on their company. And anytime there's news, congratulate them or say, saw this, is there anything we can help with? See what events they're going to hype up, especially when we were launching their virtual events. But if they're speaking at a conference, you know, encourage conference attendees to go check them out. Take advantage of the small handful of customers you have and just become an extension of their team. I love that. I I honestly like the power of just like a like on a tweet or a retweet. Like to me, like, as I think about us and our business scaling, like, that like, I believe should be a requirement of some future person's responsive job responsibilities at the juice, but to just follow like their content, make sure you retweet it, make sure you congratulate, make sure you like, it seems simple, but like that, not everyone's doing that. And I think hardly anybody's doing that. So I think that could be a hack and just long-term relationship building because everything we do these days is all on social. Everyone sees it. So that makes a ton of sense. Let's round it out here. We talked about founder-led sales, 
even though you're just kind of just having conversations, we've mentioned bringing on Kate, director of sales. One thing we haven't talked about is Kat, which Kat was on the podcast, first customer success hire. What were your thoughts just on the mindfulness around, okay, we need someone early stage to help manage our customers and maybe talk through like, that pass off process and like how those relationships are going to be managed that you maybe closed before the juice was live to now that we do have a product in market and a person who's dedicated to the customer relationship, like maybe talk through that. Yeah. So I'll talk a little bit about uh, maybe the, the thought process of bringing Kat on board and then what's happened since she's been on board. So as I mentioned, we started with a tech-enabled service. So there was a services, a very manual, very non-scalable services component to that. I was able to manage that to a certain point of customers, and then it started to become really a, a big time commitment as well as stressor for me just to dedicate you know a day, day and a half of my week to serving these customers. So we got to the point where it was just necessary to hand off some of that work, as well as I was feeling anxious around my ability. I felt like I was doing just enough with the customers. Some of those, some of those wins I talked about early on where it was just a very small number and I was able to be very, very connected with the customer as we grew, obviously uh, my ability to do that, I was doing just a good job. I wasn't doing a great job anymore. And so one of the pieces of advice I read early on for CEOs and founders, and this is maybe, you know, true to a certain point, but is whatever's stressing you out the most, hire hire an expert for it, right? And so I was starting to feel that on both the sales and the customer success side of just managing. It, It was a huge time management and it was all I was able to do. And I felt like we were growing to the point where I could start to do some other valuable things and we could certainly benefit from experts coming in behind me. So we brought Kat in as customer success. I told her exactly that. Like, I feel like I'm doing a good job, not doing a great job. I'm going to introduce you to all these people, especially our beta customers. I should and want to still be involved. I've built relationships with all of them. But, you know, a lot of the tech-enabled services, a lot of the tactical items, can you take those back from, we started at great, they've kind of gone down to good, can you take them back to great? And it's just been incredible to watch her do that. I mean, she's got a passion to serve these customers. She's already built relationships with them. You mentioned, you know, just being engaged in their content. We've got a customer success Slack channel where she's dropping news in there from customers that we're able to congratulate them on. We've sent them all swag. We're making sure... We're now we're treating them as an extension of our team. Where earlier I mentioned we're an extension of their team. Now they're an extension of our team. And it's just been amazing to watch her treat these customers, especially these early customers. Like honestly, this sounds grandiose, but the heroes that they are. You know, I I truly, truly think the the buyers and the decision makers that partner with early stage companies, understanding that there's risk involved and understanding that they're buying into something that is early stage. I mean, those, those people truly make the entrepreneurship wheel spin. And those are, those are special people. There are people that just won't do that and don't have to do that or don't want to do that. And there are people that make that happen and then stand to benefit from that in a really big way down the road. And I think those people are, are truly some of the most influential people in the tech space, whether or not they're recognized as such. Yes, we, we certainly want to shout out everybody who has been engaged in a conversation with us, who has been interested in what we were up to and who has, especially those who have taken the leap. We understand early stage startup, 
there is a risk involved, but we're excited to continue to work with those individuals and, and really knock it out of the park. And I think a lot of good infrastructures in place. We're all fired up about what we're up to. This has been really fun. Hopefully, if you're out there, you've learned something. Next week, we're going to be talking about making launch more than just a one-day thing. That's something that we're currently going through. So we're going to get in the weeds of that. I was going to say, it sounds like I should be interviewing you for that one. Hey, mate, let's turn the tables. Let's do roll. We'll do roll reversal on next week. How about that? I love it. I love it. Let's make that happen. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.